0: we've passed on all we know
1: a thousand generations live in you now and we're gonna do everything we can to get us back on track and get us winning a football game and getting back and compete for the championship it is
0: your destiny the knights of den podcast with sayer benninger and brandon keckler What's up Broncos country? Welcome, welcome back if you're coming back and listening again to the Knights of Den podcast. My name is Sarah Bettinger. So excited to be here with you today, tonight, this evening, this afternoon, this morning, wherever and whenever you're listening. It's just an honor for us to be able to talk some Broncos football with you. And as always, I'm joined by Brandon Keckler. Brandon, how's it going today, man?
1: I'm great, man. I'm just excited for this 10-6 and 6 season. 10 you know. and six until we ain't. <laughs> it's happening, man. Uh, change in uh, the wind, says I. No, I'm not a. Uh, I'm not making any bold predictions, but it would be great if we lived in that universe where we just dominate yeah. the rest of the way.
0: Just think about that really quickly. I mean, this is kind of off the off the script here, but think about really quickly. Like, what would you, what would you do or think if the Broncos one ran the table here? I mean. I haven't given that any thought whatsoever, but what would you do?
1: What would I do, dude? I'd probably like run around the streets naked, <laughs> like screaming, but I yeah. mean, I don't know. Yeah. That would be, that would be awesome. It would mean that like this D just like not only continues to play at a top five level, but really steps it up and even goes to another notch. Yeah. And then the offense just, uh, just clicks. What's what are what are two of our hardest teams still still to play?
0: Well, in all honesty, I think the two toughest games left on the schedule are the next two games at uh, at Minnesota and then at Buffalo. I think I think the Buffalo games on the. You road. think
1: playing Buffalo is going to be harder than playing the Chiefs again with Mahomes starting? Well, I just I don't know.
0: I think. I don't know. That's that's a, that's a fair point because the, the Chiefs are always good. Their offense is always good, so you're going to have to score a lot to beat them. I think Buffalo probably has the best defense that we're yet mm-hmm. to face mm-hmm. that people really don't talk about or know about. But I also think that, I mean, our defense is going to be able to rattle Josh Allen come time for that game, so I'm not mm-hmm. worried about him. But their defense holding us to 13, 15 points, I could see that happening, but... Yeah, yeah. I, I guess you're right. KC in Kansas City. I'm still more just...
1: scared of KC than I am of Buffalo. Right, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a fair point.
1: Just, you know, we 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 got smoked and and Mahomes wasn't even playing. So I yeah. mean I think that's I think them back with Mahomes, that's definitely gotta be I think scarier than than Minnesota at this point, but yeah.
0: Yeah, there's only so much that Vic Fangio's defensive scheme, his coaching can overcome when you're facing that kind of talent cuz they also they also had Tyreek Hill. I think that was his first or second game, but I think it was his second game back from injury. Well, and at he's that point.
1: he's turning lemons into lemonade for sure. Right. Um with with the pieces that he has, but yeah. there's only there's only so much you can do against, you know, the skill players on the Chiefs. I think that I trust Fangio to scheme as best of a scheme as we can with the players but um you know whether we whether or not even with his most perfectly called game do we have the players to match up with with what Kansas City can do that that's you know that's going to be tough
0: yeah that is that is tough i mean that that game was such a freakish game i don't did we get a did we get a chance to talk about that game yet i mean that game was i think we did Maybe I don't remember.
1: But I don't know. Might have it might have sent us into temporary retirement. It it like sent a me into <laughs> a, it,
0: it sent me into like what I would consider to be my the closest I would get to cynical. Yeah, because mm. everything that could go wrong in that game went wrong. I mean, it was just ter- It was pitiful. It was pathetic. It was the worst. So there's a Chiefs fan. I live in Omaha, so I'm about oh we did talk about it yeah yeah
1: i'm having flashbacks i think that was the game that we gave no words to anybody on
0: (laughs) you're right yeah that was that was our most recent podcast so kudos to kudos to past sayer and brandon for manning up and doing a podcast after that after that game um
1: yeah
0: um that that podcast was tough to get through but we had some strong words and and you can go back and listen to that podcast. Now that we're talking about it, you can go check it out on wherever you listen. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you're listening. YouTube, doesn't matter. You can find it on there. So, um, but yeah, here we sit, Brandon, three and six. We've, we've had up to this point one of the worst offenses in the league, 28th in scoring. But like you said, the defense has been killing it, which is doubly difficult when you factor in how poorly the offense has played so I think at the halfway point of the season we can we can make some actual like you know blanket statements over things that are happening so what has been or is the pro or was even the prom- the the problem with the offense?
1: What has been, is, or was the problem? <laughs> Dang, it. Above. Multidimensional. Um, yep. Yep. Man, what's been the problem with the offense? Yeah. I think it's pretty clear to... Um, it should be clear, I, sh- I should say, because it's definitely not if you're on Twitter. Right. It should be clear that Joe Flacco has been the problem. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe not... Maybe that needs to be a little bit expanded upon or a lot of bit expanded upon. But I think the the limitations of what Flacco can do versus what Scangorilla's offense wants to do was clearly um, clashing. Mm-hmm. I think that the one thing I will say, um, or the first thing I'll say coming out the gates, is that I think this game showed us more about Joe Flacco than it did about Brandon Allen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think you make a very very good point with that because this this has been the issue all along. We talked about it throughout the offseason, you know, before we even made this trade for Flacco. I think I think even without saying it, it kind of went without saying like don't trade for Joe Flacco. And the reasons were obvious at at that point. I mean, he he's not a mobile guy. He was kind of lackadaisical when, when he was in Baltimore. wasn't really didn't really seem interested in the success of the team, despite the fact I'm sure that that's I'm sure that's not accurate. I'm sure he cared about the team winning and whatnot, but he seemed very put out by the fact that Lamar Jackson was having success while he was out injured. It seemed like he was kind of just like checked out mentally and emotionally from the team. And I just, to me, like that doesn't scream leadership. I don't, I don't care like what kind of a person the guy is, like it doesn't scream leadership to me. And I think that as a, you know, to be a successful quarterback in the NFL, you know every every person every player type is different you know you've got guys who are kind of more smooth like Russell Wilson and guys who are more fiery like Tom Brady but when push comes to shove and those guys are playing each other in the Super Bowl like you know that Tom Brady and Russell Wilson are going to get and light a fire under their teammates butts yeah. and Joe Flacco's not that guy mm-hmm. circumstances led to him uh, the luckiest play I've ever seen in my life helped lead him to being a Super Bowl champion. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's I think it's fairly obvious that Flacco over the years has grown accustomed to being this, you know, there's the whole joke about him being elite and you know whether or not he deserved the 100 the first I think it was the first ever 100 million dollar contract for a quarterback in NFL history after that Super Bowl run. I think that there's a, this this thing about Flacco that you can kind of perceive from the outside. That I don't know if it's necessarily true. Like if you get to know the guy, but like from the outside perspective, and we can read the tea leaves on this from the fact that he said, you know, he's not going to be a mentor to Drew Locke, to this and that and the other his, and and all the way up to his comments about Rich Scangarello after that Indianapolis game. Uh, yeah. I think that there's a lot about Joe Flacco that we can perceive from the outside. That shows us very clearly that this guy is not an NFL team leader. Yeah.
1: What would you say to that? Yeah, and you you and I talk a lot about you know the kind of ideal quarterback, not just ideal objectively, but just what we would want. You know, and, and like you're saying, that passionate, like fiery guy is, you know, even ironically, you know, kind of the Baker Mayfield. Yeah. You, know, you and I both, even in our first our the the episode zero yep. that we never recorded prior to the draft <laughs> oh of talking about how badly we wanted baker in the episode that didn't take um you know like just that that's my kind of guy that i want like i want a guy that's that goes in there and, and lights an energy um and creates that tangible you know is able to just willpower through the game and uh he's no joe flacco's no eli manning right. but um He's not terribly he's not that much you know, greater on that scale than than that. As far as strictly the passionate leader, not talking necessarily quarterback play, it's a whole different conversation. Mm-hmm. But um man, I'll tell you what, you were you were more bummed than I was when we got Flacco. I remember that. I remember you were more audibly groaning, where I was <laughs> kinda like you know, I think that if he's serviceable, maybe this can help us in the temporary. Um, I I wasn't like really against the move. I wasn't stoked about it, but I wasn't against it either. Mm-hmm. And I think you warmed up to the idea. Um, but he's just he's just chipped away at anything, any type of like. Um, whatever you want to call it, uh, comfortability that I had with mm-hmm. with the te- with the move being a temporary fix or a stopgap, It's just been chipped away through the course of this whole season in a lot of different ways. I, I thought he would have been, even without very high of expectations for him, I thought he would have been much better this year mm-hmm. with some of the weapons that we had and re- and leaning on the run game. And to be honest, I, uh, I'm much more of a Scangarello truther than a, than a Flacco truther, but also simultaneously throughout this season, my faith in Scangarello was getting chipped away at. Yeah. So it's like you have this you have this bad marriage between Flacco and Scangarello and one I was really high on, one I wasn't you know terribly against, but wasn't super stoked on, but. I, I was continually and pretty drastically especially over the course of um i think the last couple demoralizing losses that we had just i lost i was starting to lose faith and entire faith in both of them mm-hmm. so now the breakup happens you know whether we wanted to get rid of Flacco or whether it was just the injury um, kind of happened at the perfect time to where Flacco goes on IR right after he freaking throws Scangarello under the bu- under the bus, which is kind of the last time he's in the spotlight mm-hmm. for us. Which is it's in- it's interesting retrospectively, like looking back at how this all kind of just played out. You know, when it's happening, we were commenting a lot on it as it was happening at the time, but little did we know, like as we're commenting on Flacco going after Scangarello, that it was going to basically be his last kind of like meaningful press conference. Yeah. So that's, you know, as, and then this happens, the split happens, and, and we move to Brandon Allen. And you know, you'd been talking about, you know, let's let's see the bootlegs and let's see the mobile quarterback. And let's see, I, I think even in our last some of our last pods, we may even need to pull out some of those clips and, and do a little time capsule, um, one of those time capsule videos, kind of like what we did last year. But we mm-hmm. were talking a lot about um, Flacco just, you know, limiting the scheme and being us kind of being handcuffed to this vanilla version of the offense. Whereas if we can get a quarterback in there that has more mobility and, and can can g- g- go through broken plays and make something happen out of, you know, we could do more. And that it felt like Scangarello, I think in this last episode, we talked a lot about how Scangarello didn't trust Flacco and how much, or maybe, I don't know if it was the last podcast or we were texting back and forth about it, but it's been a significant part of our conversations in the past couple of weeks has been, you know, it seems like m- maybe when Flacco's complaining about a lack of aggression, like let's put this all into context, that you're not someone that can really be trusted to be aggressive. Right. And he's thrown his OC, a first year OC, under the bus for, you know, not calling the game how he would have called it, especially with t- kind of trusting him to do more, but like seemed like scan gorilla was you work within lim- your limitations you know like as, as a screenwriter you know i have okay what are the restrictions what are the what's the page limit you know what's the budget what are we doing here as far as Uh, Trying to maximize our limitations You know is that two guys sitting in a room Having a conversation Then I'm going to make those two guys sitting in a room Try to have the best conversation But there's obviously not going to be like Aliens and explosions and all kinds of crazy stuff going on Because it's two guys in a room Mm -hmm. Right It felt like Scangarello was trying to like Write a simple A good simple story Knowing he had Just two guys sitting at a table in a room You know And now here we are with Brandon Allen who is not this future Hall of Fame quarterback, and yet he calls by far his best game of the year and the guy's first NFL start. Mm-hmm. Just from having a little bit more of some you know creative options with what the guy can do, and I'm sure he's actually limited in some ways that Flacco isn't limited. But it seemed like a major, major difference just having a quarterback with mobility. And, and you, you heard in the press conferences Brandon Allen talking about how, you know, Skangarello was asking me what plays do you not feel comfortable with and let's not call those. So it seemed like Skangarello even like, was like, let's figure out those limitations and, and figure out what your limitations are, but let's also unleash your strengths. And I think that what we're seeing is as much as maybe current Joe Flacco wouldn't be bad in every NFL offense – He was not a fit for this Gangarello offense. Right.
0: Yeah, and that's what everyone kind of thought, right? I mean, coming from, well, he had his best statistical season back in 2014 when Gary Kubiak was calling the plays. And so, therefore, you know, although we're fast-forwarding five years in time, like, it's going to be the same outcome this time around again. We're going to be He's going in-
1: to be comfortable in that offense. And yeah. There's going to be some carryover and yeah. Yeah,
0: we'll put a strong running game around him. This that and the other. And and the thing that I dislike a lot and I realize that the offensive line is bad, but we got to we got to stop blaming the offensive line for every quarterback issue that's going on. And we have to also stop assuming that our offensive line is going to get some young quarterback killed out there because we just watched a guy go out for his first NFL snap in the regular season. And he took three sacks. Yeah, but, boy, he did anything but get killed out there. He actually looked comfortable. He looked confident. And I think the reason for that is everything that you just mentioned. You know, we get a guy out there who's got some mobility. Um, Brandon Allen probably doesn't have as strong of an arm as Joe Flacco. But at the same time, it's it's way more – in this offense, it's way more about timing and seeing the field and making your reads. Those were simple things that Joe Flacco wasn't doing. I, my favorite play of the game, dude, by far. And you'd think
1: the making the reads is the thing that he should be able to right. do right. with the experience. Like that should have been – talk about playing to the strengths of somebody and playing away from the weaknesses of somebody. You would expect Flacco – to not have problems that you'd see in a rookie quarterback, like reading the field.
0: Yeah, yeah, especially before the snap, which you're getting looks uh, of coverage. It's pretty easy to read man coverage or zone coverage or single high or whatever you're looking at before the snap. And and that's why I think my favorite play of the game that, that really displays what you said of the fact that Flacco being out really changed the freedom that rich scangarello had to call this offense there's a play where the broncos are driving i think this was their 95 yard uh i think it was their 95 yard no it wasn't their 95 yard. it was the touchdown to to courtland sutton uh early in the game the first touchdown they threw so it was a good drive obviously by the offense to get into scoring position but it's first down they're they're not in the red zone yet or they're close to the red zone and Brandon Allen comes up to the line of scrimmage eye formation he's got a receiver out to the left he's got a receiver out to the right he, he gets up to the center and he looks over to his left and his right and then he looks straight ahead and what he sees straight ahead is a stacked box against single high coverage with man mm-hmm. coverage from the cornerbacks and it's a basic, basic thing. If you watch if you watch the play and obviously we know the outcome of the play, you can clearly see, oh, he sees man coverage and he sees a safety that's not gonna be able to get over to Cortland Sutton's side of the field in time. So what mm-hmm. he does, he just quick he takes his five step drop and he doesn't even think. He doesn't even think about it. He just throws the ball up to Sutton. And it wasn't even that good of a throw. And probably mm-hmm. eight nine times out of ten that throw either gets batted down or picked off, but he gave Sutton a chance to catch the ball, which is another thing we haven't seen a lot from Flacco, and I'll re reference back to that Green Bay game when Sutton torched a defensive back down the left sideline on a on a go route and Flacco just straight up threw the ball out of bounds. Yeah. And and that's the kind of thing that if Brandon Allen had thrown a pick there, he may he still made the right decision. He may not have made a yeah. great throw. But that's the kind of thing that we saw in and throughout this game—the play action to to Noah Fant. How obvious it, is it to get your four, five, six, you know, six foot four, two hundred fifty pound tight end with big time speed out across the middle of the field, running with a linebacker? How obvious is that? And yet, how often have we seen that this year? We haven't. We haven't seen right. it until this game, and it's just it's just amazing to me that that we're seeing simple things work in one right. game in a one game sample size that couldn't work for eight games because flacco has to take you know literal 11 step drops to to atone for his lack of mobility and and then yeah. you're, you're getting just an easier arc for pass rushers to get to the quarterback and then you blame the pressure and it's just like it's just it's it's a it's a whole mess of issues that you're right The problem with the offense has been Flacco. Early on in the season, I think there was a lot of other things that we can maybe blame, in addition to. But as the sample size has grown larger, it's become more and more obvious that Flacco was the reason this Broncos offense. And let's say
1: the major issue. Yeah. You know, like because it's not he's not the only issue. He's not the reason why we've lost these games. You know, there's there's blame to go around. I mean, even our defense picked it up in the jaguars game and beyond um and, and weren't helping anybody out um some of those games the offensive play the offense actually played well enough to win and the defense didn't so it's like um but but so you know you go back into in the to the Flacco scangarillo games and I, and one of the criticisms you know sitting sitting at work and watching you battle against all these twitter people <laughs> you know some some people are saying you know like well why didn't what where was where was the creative play calling around what Joe Flacco could and couldn't do? You mm-hmm. know, like where where was I mean even with like for instance like you're right like we talked about the Baltimore thing like he he was in the Kubiak offense and we definitely have better running backs. What do they have? Justin Furset that year.
0: Uh, I think yeah. it was, I yeah. think
1: Justin Forsett was was Kubiak's. Quarterback. We got better. We got better running backs, you know, than Justin Forsett. You know, at, in Lindsey and Freeman. So you'd think um, he would be able to create a, a run first offense. And you know, we've got freaking Sutton and we've got Fant. Like, why couldn't you know he have d- done more with Flacco? And, and why, in one game, does it look like our offense has suddenly been unleashed with a guy that's, again, like, all credit, Brandon Allen played a good game, and I really I, I want him to go on to have a a, a good career. But, like, dude, the guy's not, like, this incredible – no one expected him to do anything. The guy's, like, been falling fallen off, like, four different teams and, like, is – First five years, right? right something, right. something along those lines. Yeah. But why? Why was ScanGorillo able to call such a great game in 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 this guy's NFL debut, five seasons into his career, and yet it's we've looked absolutely like we it, there's been a lot of fuel for the fire ScanGorillo camp yeah. leading up to this. So was is it really simply um, mobility? is it Allen's that much of a play call or a, a, a defense reader in his limited time than Flacco is in, in his career? Like mm-hmm. what, what is, I don't know. What, what, what would you say is the answer to that? As far as the people that are still cynical about it being it being Flacco's fault the whole time. Why couldn't Scangarello have called better games um, retrospectively looking back at that patch of time? What would you say?
0: I think that's that's a great question, and and you bring up some great points. Because if we're looking at the success from this one game from a guy who's never played before, it does it does, you know, it it is kind of, I don't know what the word is, but the fact that Flacco couldn't do these things, these simple things, the the slant routes, the drag routes, um, the the quick five step drop and fade routes, like these are all rhythm things that that a basic quarterback should be able to do. I mean, it's not like Allen went out there and and pulled off a Drew Brees type of passing performance, but that's a good, I think it's a, I think it truthfully is with, it's a combination of all those things, you know, not reading the field properly. I think anticipating blitzes, calling out protections, it just really feels like Flacco was disengaged from the process, and I say that hmm. with all due respect to his his work habits and his work ethic and and the the work that he puts in. I don't know enough about it to say definitively, but all I can all I can talk to or speak to is what we see on the field and what it could be a result of. And if Flacco is yeah. not seeing these basic things, it would indicate to me that he's missing things in film study or he's he's not he's not processing things fast enough throughout the course of the game because you got the Chiefs who who couldn't get a sack to save their lives for the first 5 6 games of their season they come in to Denver and and rack up nine sacks and yeah. Joe Flacco was responsible for more than half and you have to wonder at that point what is going on what is he not seeing why is Emmanuel Sanders running wide open across the middle of the field and Flacco's not seeing it. Why is Deshaun Hamilton breaking free and breaking open uh, at the top end of a route and Flacco's not making that anticipation throw and trusting in his arm, and trusting in his eyes. He's looking right at him. I mean So
1: has so has uh, answer me this. Yeah. Has has what do you think is the is is it A or is it B? Is it A Flacco just has totally regressed? from from what he was if uh, quicker than we thought or was it just be an epic mismatch of quarterback and oc
0: mm. i tend to i tend to lean towards a because we saw part of it last year with baltimore and they were looking for pretty much any reason to put him on the bench you know they respected him uh for what he did for the organization i think and but but they were trying to break in Lamar Jackson because of the exciting element that he brought to the table, and, and now look what team. he just did to the Patriots, right? Last night they they were talking about him revolutionizing the NFL. Chris Collinsworth was he said something during the game about he and it, this was before this was when it was seventeen zero, the game was still early on. Chris Collinsworth is like we're gonna look back at this game years from now and remember how Lamar Jackson changed the way NFL teams run an offense with the mm. way that he plays. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's wild that it, it's crazy to think about because he was an afterthought in the draft. And I think Flacco bought into that a little bit, you know, I mean, I don't know. If that so some certain.
1: type of physical regression, physical regression, some types of, some type of like demoralizing demeanor that probably, uh, just dropped to all time lows from, from maybe he contained it externally a bit better, but maybe, maybe the lock comment in the off season about not mentoring him was the sign that we should have paid attention to that like, Whatever intangible state he was in, you know, we're doing, right. we're doing like some pseudo psychology, um, you know, right now trying, trying to get to the center of this, but just for the sake of, of kind of theorizing and, and trying to understand his mental condition, um, must've just been in, in like some, some form of like post Lamar Jackson turmoil yep. that like even the idea in, in the press asking him about Drew Locke, um, kind of revealed that crack and he that's why he responded in that way and so i think him coming in and and taking over this offense i wonder how early in the process the split happened between him and scangarello as far as um, was it some of the early games trying to give him things that he wasn't capable of doing? When did when did Scangarello decide to dial it back and try to, you know, call that more conservative offense mm-hmm. because he didn't trust Flacco anymore? Um, that's that's something that's going to be interesting, kind of looking looking back on and studying the early half of this season and seeing like when some of those trends started to occur, where. Um, Flacco wasn't counted on as much. Was he counted on more in the earlier season? It seems some of those, so, some of that patch of the zero and four has already been blocked out of my mind. So you would probably yeah. remember from your studies a bit more than I would. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? As yeah. if there was a direct question, I didn't really ask a direct. Question. No, yeah, I think it. I think it all goes back to
0: with with Scangarello installing his offense. I don't know that there's anything overly complicated about. I mean, the, it's a it's an historic offense, right? I mean, it's the Shanahan version of the West Coast. It's is basically what it is, and it's it's Gangarello working with the pieces that he has in place. I mean, we saw them implement new principles this past weekend with Brandon Allen. We we haven't seen the pistol with Joe Flacco out mm-hmm. there, so. So the fact that they're implementing new stuff indicates to me that there's nothing complicated about what Scangarello is trying to do. It's, it has everything to do with what Flacco said, and he specifically called out the aggressiveness, and the well, and,
1: and I will say, I think it also has to do with establishing. I think it was one of the things I was reading today. I think Cecil was talking rhythm. And yeah. establishing the rhythm, oh, yeah. and one of the, one of his because he's been he's been harsh on Scangarello, um, because he believes in the offense, but didn't, hasn't really necessarily believed in in that Scangarello is the right guy to call that offense or uh, implement it here with what right. he's seen so far. But one of the credits he was given to him from yesterday was specifically establishing the rhythm because it's sometimes it's sometimes what you do to set up the play. Oftentimes, um, what you're doing around it to, to to get into that position to where you can pull off that play, like were there things? Were there? This is me from a uh, from a totally like um, amateur understanding of NFL offenses from a Madden from a Madden play calling um, limit, limited to Madden yeah. play calling perspective. Um, why does the Fant play work in this game? versus some of the other things they've tried to do with, with Fant that haven't worked. Some of the reversals and screens that they've tried in the past. Um, why does that work in this game and not the other game? Is, is it that... <laughs> Joe Flacco is such a weight that like uh, the magic wasn't there the intangible magic wasn't there or was yeah. it something along the lines of because of the mobility of the quarterback and, and the play actions and the things that they're able to do in the prior plays they were able to call that play at the right time because they'd established some kind of rhythm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and This is like one another one of those where I'm kind of trying to circle around and and do broad strokes around something to get to the center of it but I don't know what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think you're I think you're
0: on the money here about just the direction that you are taking around in that circle because it's it, it does have everything to do with Flacco it starts with Flacco and his inability to to do something like climb up in the pocket or make a throw under pressure instead of kind of like Sam Darnold talked about seeing ghosts out there. You almost get the sense that Flacco is is feeling that out there that he's he's not anticipating these throws. I mean, there have been like the the Indianapolis game for example Noah Fant ran a great route in the red zone got inside position was wide open for a touchdown he was wide open and Flacco didn't see it it's it's the same design of a play that we're seeing here but he's not he's just not going through he's not going through the progressions that he's supposed to be and in it I think that that's part of the, the frustration with Scang- on Scangarillo's end, I'm sure, because early in the season, I remember I tweeted out something about how the Broncos had one of the longest average time of possession per drive. They had one of the, the highest number of plays per drive in the NFL. Um, they were averaging like 45 or 46 yards per I drive. Yeah. So they were moving the ball, but they weren't scoring. Well, right. that deteriorated from games 1 through 4 to games 4 through 8. Now they rank in the bottom 10 of all of those categories. Wow.
1: That just shows how bad they were in that stretch.
0: It was unbelievably bad. And it and and it was due to Flacco cuz we didn't have Jawan James for all but 10 snaps. So we can't blame we can't blame like, well, we had Jawan James in games 1 through 4 and that was better protection this that and the other in my mind it had everything to do with the quarterback and when a few teams got went or got you know to look at our tape to see oh Flacco's taking 11 steps every time he drops back in this formation that's an easy yeah. arc for our pass rushers to the QB and we can rattle him pretty quickly get him off script get him off schedule load the box so i think that the, i think that it was just a ripple effect of things that teams did and then i think mm-hmm. Brandon Allen had to come out there and prove that he could be more than what Flacco was in terms of throwing the football. And he did that. He did that on that second drive, man, with a couple nice throws. I mean, that third and 11 slant play to Cortland Sutton, like that one felt like taking a a shower at the end of a long day. You know, it was like, wow, where has that play been? Like that that was just great. That Mm -hmm. was awesome to see it executed well and no penalties on it. And, just things like that, man, and, and and obviously that's been a problem too, as penalties and getting and, and that has to do everything. I think honestly, dude, I think it's deeper than just X's and O's. It's the it's the mojo of the team. It's the mentality yeah. that comes from the top down.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's that it's that great intangible. Mm-hmm. It's that it's that thing that it's that thing that the cold the cold statistics can't define when a player like Tebow does well. Right. You know, it was that it was the same kind of like, this shouldn't be happening, but the mojo's there. Right. You know, so it's like, it, and, and one question I want to have before I think we should move on to, to adding in another variable into this equation that needs to be discussed. But, um, you know, one thing I will say is, is or, or maybe try to surmise with you about is, you know, Flacco is – how how what's the age difference between Flacco and Scangarello? It can't be too far apart.
0: Oh uh, yeah, it, I would like say, less than ten years. Yeah, I would say you know between between five and ten years probably. I don't think Scangarello is still in his thirties. He's got to be in his forties. No. So no, yeah, eight yeah. to ten years.
1: Yeah, so so then and then career NFL career wise, you know Flacco has has had obviously more success. And yeah. has been in the league for more time. And so, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, a quarterback coming in and submitting to the vision,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know. And, and uh, we talked, who was it that we talked about, about just getting in there and, um, oh, Bulls. Wasn't that our clash with Bulls? Oh yeah. Was specifically him not going and, and kinda of submitting to Munchak and being like, you know, not saying fix me coach, but like I want dude like I, I submit myself over to you as your as your Padawan learner yeah. to like, you know, be shaped into the into the legend that I want to become and, you know, no better no better O line coach for him to learn from. But we didn't see that. Instead we see this kinda of like, you know, bad student. That isn't learning and isn't be, being humble enough to learn the lessons he needs to get to the next level. So, I say all that to say, you know, what do you think are the chances? And I'm sure all we can at this point from the outside looking in is theorize, but what are the chances that Flacco, with the longer resume, the longer NFL career, and a Super Bowl, being mm-hmm. a Super Bowl winning quarterback, that there was some type of clash coming in and learning from a first year OC? That yep. basically wants to do it's it's his it's his vision to implement. It's rich it's Rich Gangarello's vision to create for what the offense needs to become. Yeah. And you as the quarterback are the executor of the vision. It is your responsibility to come in and execute the vision of of, you know, it's like some of these clashes you know i don't want to take it too far off topic some of these clashes with like the star star wars and and marvel bringing in some of these directors and they Mm -hmm. end up having to kick them off these projects because they're wanting to do their own vision when those directors don't own the intellectual property to be able to do that, right. it's their job to go in and do the movie that they were hired to make, and to you know make it as good as possible. But you're basically doing you're doing a job, and you have bosses that you're answering to, right? So how much how how likely do you feel like it was that Flacco came in, and some of the some of the on play lack of mojo, and some of the conflict, and some of this friction has come from Flacco not prioritizing his role as executor of the vision, as much as I'm Joe Flacco and I know how to do this and I'm gonna do what I do, right? could, yeah. could that could that in some way feed into the narrative of you know why there's been this epic mismatch? I, I really just think it's I, I think even you would say the regression, I would say that that's a factor, but I would say the bigger problem here, is B for me, which is the epic mismatch between QB and OC. And it may not necessarily entirely be his lack of mobility, though that's a major, major issue, but potentially him believing in the vision of the OC and going out there and just executing it how he needs to execute it right um I, I don't know what are your thoughts
0: No those are those are great points and I think that we have some context with that because of what we just saw from 2017 through 2018 with Vance Joseph taking over a crew you know that was literally one year removed from winning the Super Bowl and he's a first time NFL head coach who was barely a defensive coordinator for a defense that wasn't even that good. And he came in there and he was trying to be this, you know, I don't know. I don't know exactly the word for it, but I think it was pretty obvious that Vance was a good guy to the players. But I think he really wanted to make it known that he was he was the head coach. Things were going to go his way. And there were a number of players who – I'm not saying they were in the right or that they were in the wrong, really. But I think a number of those players from the holdovers from that Super Bowl 50 team didn't necessarily respect the way that Vance was going about his business while they were Super Bowl champions. Hmm. And I think that you can see the same thing, and I think you make a great point. The same thing could very well be true of Flacco with Scangarello because you've got a first year offensive coordinator what what was the name of the college you were coordinating for that you call plays for again rich um you know i mean that type of thing like if when when things hit the fan you can see it getting that way and yeah. so i think you're i think you're spot on with that man because that's happened in denver recently with in his
1: reign his reign if you even want to call yeah, it a reign yeah. Um, you know, even 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 bad kings with, with a, a short term had a had a little rain, so yeah. we will call it a rain. But Flacco's reign comes to an end throwing Scangarillo under the bus. Yep. And there's a lot of people I, we talked about this i I forget you know, whether this was like a Twitter thing or a text thing or whether we podcasted it. But, you know, we talked about how um you know, there's a lot. I get, I get why people would feel validated in their frustration about the play calling when Flacco said that. But that ultimately, if you put the things in context, um, Flacco is somebody that can't really be trusted. So it's it's telling that you know at the very end he throws Scangarello under the bus. But it may very well be that like that was almost the first externalization that we saw. Of what the problem has been this whole time, yep. and it's been a clash between the guy that's supposed to execute the vision and the mm-hmm. guy who's casting the vision. And then uh, there was a there was a pretty equal split amongst Broncos country as far as who was right was Flacco right, and scangarello has been the problem, or has it been that scangarello has been limited by Joe Flacco? Mm. And I think that that was a pretty that was a pretty well balanced debate. When it came to um, Bronco's Twitter at the very least. Um, but now, a week later, doesn't it seem like the scales have tipped a bit? Yeah. That it looks yep. it looks like the lack of... I mean, some people go, oh, well, now is finally being aggressive. Right. But it's like they're looking at that as if Scangarillo's play calling this week was like mostly a response to Flacco's comment and i get i get how that could be like a popular twitter talking point but that seems like such a shallow analysis do you really think an nfl offensive coordinator would suddenly go from week to week from conservative to aggressive it re- in a, reacting to a comments that a quarterback said in a press mm-hmm. conference yeah Yep. You think his offense is really gonna change that drastically in a week? Yeah. That just doesn't seem like that doesn't seem very rational. It seems like the thing that makes the more sense is that freed of Flacco, he actually got to be as aggressive as he'd like to be. Hmm.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And circling back to Brandon Allen's comments about, you know, how involved were you with the game plan? Well, Rich was asking me what I wanted to do, what I felt comfortable with, and I you know let him know. And it's, yeah, like you said, there's there's some harmony there, allowing the freedom to be aggressive, allowing the quarterback to be confident in the game plan and the harmonious relationship there. Dude, that's exactly why we brought Rich Scangarello in. We brought him in because he helped develop a nothing, nobody at quarterback last year in, in Nick Mullins and turned him into a guy that could probably start for a number of NFL teams right now including ours and yeah. and he did he did that he developed that guy he's the guy who put his neck on the line by bringing this who who the heck is this kid is he even old enough to be in the draft into John Lynch's office that's a true story Mm-hmm. John Lynch kicks kicks everyone out of the room and says is this kid is this serious are you serious right now is he even eligible for is he really a draftee I mean this that's the skin gorilla that's who we hired We hired the guy who could make nothing or something out of nothing right and and if you can't make something with Flacco at QB well they in my, there's a deeper problem there and I think you're spot on with what you're saying. About the disconnect between the two of them. I think that's a great point. And and I could see it being parts regression, but at the same time, Flacco physically is still capable of. There's certainly a steady regression.
1: Yeah. There's certainly, you're right. There's certainly a steady regression. And that's where, again, I wanted to weigh those two because it's like, do we really think that the regression happening? Faster than people expected is the reason why he's been underperforming in this offense or is he underperforming in this offense because he hasn't bought in and believed in this OC slash has the, has he just been a bad fit for what Scangarello wants to do? And that's where I just, I think there's so much more, I think there's so much more to theorize and dig into and study and analyze on that second part and there's a lot of substance there to find. I yeah. feel like the more you look at it and and you know, we don't get usually until years later like people going back and and talking about how things were in the locker room and stuff like that. There's that kind of like we keep it within the team mentality, especially with Vic Fangio. If people are going out and you know, talking about a lot of this stuff outside the locker room and it went public and it went viral. Dude, you know Vic Fangio is the kind of coach that's going to bite their head off. Yeah. So I don't expect to hear too much of it right now. But in the coming years, in the coming days, especially maybe once Flacco's off the team, um, depending on what happens from here, I'm really interested to know what was really brewing behind the scenes. And I have a feeling it, that, that stuff's going to come out mm-hmm. that that was the case and that it was it was – it, there was some there was something to the clash between those two um that, that is you know the problems that we've been having. So I want to add to this a variable. Yeah. So now what do you think this means for Drew Locke? And I don't mean as far as timetable when he's used, but like the potential of a guy that maybe has something of a similar mobility to Allen but an arm to Flacco,
0: yeah, it it definitely gives me substantial hope that he can go out there and have success fairly early. Because I know I know that Brandon Allen came from an offense that was pretty similar to this one, and and Drew Locke didn't. Um, and Allen's been practicing with off, you know, yada yada yada, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, more time on task in this type of offense, blah blah blah. But I think that the talent aspect of it kind of kind of evens things out, especially if, if Drew Locke gets some practice time in. I'm not so worried about I think people are so hung up, dude, on his mechanics and things like that that I'm way less worried about that and I'm way more excited about the idea that he could go out there and execute a bootleg. Like that's a that's a simple right. that's a simple low high read for a quarterback. Either your tight end is open. Or the receivers open, or you take off, and those are simple plays for for somebody like him to run. the The slant to Cortland Sutton, that's a simple read. You look over to that side of the field. If he's open, you throw it.
1: Well, and were all the Niners' quarterbacks prepared last year? That yeah, had, that had all to play. Them that played, yeah. Every single you know, like there. was 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 Brandon Allen really that prepared? For that situation, I mean, right. part of it was, yeah, he's been the backup, and yeah, I do think I do think Locke needs to keep practicing and does need to develop. That's where I'm not even worried about the timetable. You know me, I'm much I'm much more of a long game person than than really wor- too worried about what's what's going on in the short term. I'm kind of at this point. I feel like my trust in in my trust in Fangio's never wavered. My trust in ScanGorrello did waver until this game. Yeah, and I feel like it's been almost entirely restored because what I what I had feared was, was you know either one Skanguerillo's not the play caller we thought he was, which would be a bummer or two, Flacco has been the problem and Skangarilla we the jury's still out on Skangarillo um, when he gets the quarterback that's that's more tailored to and, and fits his vision and will execute his vision. So one thing that I'm excited about is I do think, you know like we talked about before um, just Locke's mobility to you know be a better fit in this offense but then again him having the him having a freaking cannon like Flacco mm-hmm. seems like he has some of the, some of the strengths of like both these quarterbacks that we've seen but one thing that we've talked about you know kind of again deviating outside the X's and O's has been Locke's mentality as far as like how well he's handled this whole process. This this interview last week. Remember, and I texted you about it, and was like, "Dude, yeah. I love his response to that because he's like, he, he's he's trusting his coaches, dude. Mm-hmm. He's ready to do and and flow with their beat and go at with at their pace. He's he seems chill. He seems confident. He seems like he's ready to go out there and be a leader, but somebody that's gonna go be the executor of the vision. Mm. So it's like I could just see Locke buying into the program and he's got the tool set that we just saw them use with Brandon Allen, um, even in, even in its limitation, just simply being able to be mobile and and do those play actions and things like that. But then he's also got a fricking way better arm than Brandon Allen, much more tailored to the likes of Flacco. So like, I am stoked to now, now that my trust to, to whatever degree has been restored In Scangarello, I just really believe that they're going to do right by this lock situation, and that like I'm I'm seeing a lot of like even from you, I'm seeing from you, I'm seeing from a lot of different people, a lot of like projections at quarterback as far as like what we might do next year in the draft, Mm -hmm. and I don't mind getting like a day two, day you know day three quarterback, but man, I really hope I really hope we don't go for quarterback next year. Yeah. I really don't, and that's where it's like I know you, he's got to develop, but dude, again, look at what Scangarello was able to do with the freaking on the Niners. Look yeah. what, look what you know. Some of the some of these guys just need a bit of development. I think Broncos Country is a bit apprehensive toward the the. We just had a project quarterback. Yeah. I think we're scared. I think we're innately scared because of Paxton Lynch. Yeah, that we don't want a project quarterback. We don't want a guy that you're going to have to develop. I think drew lock is much more prepared to be an nfl quarterback than paxton lynch was and i also think we have better people around drew lock than paxton lynch had that will develop him right so that's where i'm i don't i don't share that apprehension but i also empathize with why people would feel that way yeah yeah you know
0: what i mean oh yeah totally and how ironic that drew lock gets to learn by playing video games the virtual reality (laughs) <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> just a bummer for Paxton Lynch, Lynch Where, wherever he's at Pittsburgh or whatever. but I no, I think you're absolutely right. It, it comes down to are you willing to buy into this process? because if if Locke needs this time, I mean not everyone's like Russell Wilson, you know, just an MVP candidate right away. Not everyone's like that. Um, but if Locke just needs a little bit of extra time, we have to be willing to trust a process, and then not also want to start over with the latest, greatest model. It's like, dude, you just bought this car. Like, give it, give it, give yourself a chance to get used to it and get used to driving it before you go out and say, no, 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 I just want the newer model because I think I'm gonna like that one better just because it's newer and it's you know a little bit better in this way. Well, right. give give it some time. You might find that you enjoy driving this one a little bit more. So. And you might find that it does everything that you need it to do, and maybe then some. So I think there's just some, like you said, this miss. There, it's it's the whole don't draft a USC quarterback. Don't don't draft a Penn State running back. You know, don't draft it to, uh, these type of things. It's just like you can't
1: say that for every
0: guy at every position and make no. These blanket there's no. Statements.
1: I, there's none of that. Like, and that's something that's never. I, I don't know, like it's never seemed rational to me. Yeah. Like I know that there's, I know there's enough, there's enough of a, p- of pattern sometimes with those, with those type of things, but there's always going to be the, the anomalies and the outliers, you right. know, there's always going to be those situations that basically disprove, uh, even, even the Madden curse got broken by fricking Calvin Johnson. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, like, the, it, but I, st- and I still think the curse is active. Yeah, There's just something high happened high, where man. he, where he broke it. You know, like he did something right. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm never a fan of those, of those kinds of determinations. But, um, yeah, man, I just feel like we have other pressing needs that are just, I mean, <sighs> left tackle, mm. um, corner. Um, inside linebacker, a guard. Um, There's just some other uh, even wide receiver at this point now. I think there's other positions that I'd rather get stars in. Yep. And I feel like we have – we've got a guy with raw talent that just needs to be sharpened. He's he's mobile. He's got a freaking cannon, and he's going to humbly submit to his coaches – to sharpen and shape him into an NFL quarterback. I just believe that. Yeah. I believe that. We have a guy
0: who up until the second we traded that 10th overall pick, I would I would bet at least 75% of Broncos country would have been thrilled about taking Drew Lock 10th overall. I mean, he, yeah. this guy wasn't a second-round player according to anybody before the draft except for i think pro football focus put him in the second round on a couple mock drafts but i i never entertained that as a realistic possibility ever and and we would have been totally cool with getting him at 10 overall well now that he's a second round pick all of a sudden it means that we need to take a a first round qb it's like that and that's not how it works in the nfl either like not every first round pick at quarterback is great I mean, look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So you're telling me the Tampa right. Bay Buccaneers, who had the number one pick in 2015, they should be doing great right now because they got the number one pick at QB. It doesn't right. always work out. The t- the Tennessee Titans, the Dolphins' or, yes, sloppy they seconds. To,
1: they took after him. Yeah. One yeah. pick
0: out. They sold – basically they sold their entire draft and then much of the next year's draft to get him. And Yeah. It just it doesn't always work out. Even even I mean, the, look at
1: Darnold right now.
0: Exactly, exactly. Sam Darnold, prime Josh example. Rosen, Baker you know, Mayfield,
1: like, a guy that yeah, we even, like. I, I think Baker's going to be end up being fine, but he's yeah. struggling right now. Yeah, and you're talking a guy that gets able to throw to freaking OBJ and, and Jarvis Landry.
0: Yep. Everything isn't always like the video game, like that we grew up with. You know, we grew up with with Madden where every year your guys improve in their overall rating like you never had you never had a player that you developed whose overall rating really went down and yeah. and it was like okay the natural progression is this guy gets better in year 2 and then in year 3 well he's probably going to be close to top tier or elite and that's how it worked on Madden back when we were younger but it's not it's not how it's going in today's NFL even in the past happy NFL even in you know the the era of this league where you can join guys like Odell Beckham and, and Jarvis Landry and David Njoku and Baker Mayfield together on the same team the human element is very rarely considered when it comes to how we project what
1: players are going to be and and not and, and even using the example that you're currently on didn't didn't st- offensive coordinating look like a sharp juxtaposition between the Browns and the Broncos. Oh, I mean, yeah. you're talking about a team that's got Brandon Allen instead of Baker Mayfield. Yep. You're talking about a team that yes, Cortland's a stud, but look at look at our wide receiver core versus, you know, right. Landry and OBJ and even um who's who's his Higgins and oh, dude, yeah. some of yeah. those some of those guys I'd still take over a lot of our 3 and 4s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as much as I think Lindsey and Freeman are an awesome tandem, I mean Nick Chubb is, you know, a many would argue that he's better than either of those guys individually. Yep. So it's like you're looking you're looking at a team that has uh, to to many people arguably better weapons. Mm-hmm. And most especially a quarterback. And what we were able to do with with that Brandon Allen led offense looked way better than what they were able to do with the Baker Mayfield led offense with better weapons mm-hmm. so it's like you know i think that Rich Gangarello um it called his best game and really showed his potential in in what he can do with less and it made me excited for what he can do with more yes the same we're going to talk more about this and we're already running pretty late on this on this episode but we're going to talk more about this in the bye week episode but i mean look what vic fangio is doing with these some of these pieces on defense right where it just it's getting it's it's getting me excited for like dude he's only had one draft where he got to take the players he wants yeah you know and look at look at what these guys half it seems like half the defense is starting in their first season yeah yeah there's a bunch of freaking nobodies that nobody wanted we're like we're like the story of the freaking team that's all the outcasts and rejects. Yep. And and he's turning the island of misfit toys into the fifth freaking best defense on the league, <laughs> right? And yeah. I'm starting to feel the same way about our offense. As much as I feel like we've got we've got some young, fun pieces in Fant, Lindsay, Sutton, and Freeman. Um and and not, not to mention and get into freaking even with the O line with Reisner. I think we've got some major pieces. I think we have more major pieces, especially young guys um, on offense, right? Yeah. But it's like, man, if ScanGarello can call a, a, that game and out duel Baker and OBJ and Nick Chubb mm-hmm. with Brandon Allen, you know, and and throwing throwing to freaking Spencer and. You know, whoever else we have at wide receiver in that game, it just it gets me excited for like, dude, throw in another stud wide receiver, someone that can stretch the field. I don't remember who it was. I was seeing today on Twitter was like, yeah, you know, we like we like Spencer and and but man, could you imagine like this receiver, or that receiver? Don't you think that like they could have just like pulled a little something more out of that and got that deep bomb from Brandon Allen on that one play that Spencer barely missed? Yep. You know, and then that changes that changes drastically what we were able to do deep and deep with this offense. Right. You know, so it just it gets me excited for like f- what Fangio can do with more pieces. What Scangarello is going to be able to do when he's able to 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 shape lock into the quarterback that he wants, a kid with the cannon that's also mobile that will believe in his offense. Yeah, that gets me stoked. And I and right now we need some of that. We need some reasons to get excited about things going forward. It gets me
0: stoked just talking about it, thinking about it, hearing you talk about it. I'm I'm ready for the 2020 draft, baby. <laughs> let's get yeah. that wide receiver. Let's
1: get that. Let's get that mock going.
0: Let's, Let's start a mock right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah baby. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, all right. G- great, great convo. I feel like we, I feel like we circled a lot of, and, and gotten to some, some really good meat there. Um, And it, and it really, it needed, we talked about this before, before we even got on the episode, it really needed a whole episode of just kind of dissecting the quarterback play yep. versus gangarello and, and trying to figure out what the answer is. As much as we can surmise, because I don't think the answer's been publicly revealed yet. Right. Yeah, we, we may you know, not find it, out about that till the 30 for 30. Exa- exactly. <laughs> so, moving onward to a, a staple of the Knights of Den podcast, we've got the Game Awards. Mm. So, every week, for those of you who don't know, we give out Star Wars-themed awards. Together, we both select... A chosen one for the game MVP. And then we also pull out of a pool, a pull P-U-L-L, out of a pool, P-O-O-L, or um, P-O-O-L, two other elective awards that are also Star Wars themed. So we will start with the chosen one. Sarah, who was your chosen one for this game?
0: Yeah, my chosen one for this game, and we talked before the show, it kind of feels like, I think this is kind of a good thing that there was enough balance in this game on both sides of the ball that really you could pick you could either pick from a number of guys or you could say well there was really nobody that stood out enough to win this award but for me after watching the game a few more times uh this morning i watched the i watched the full game again and i watched the condensed version kind of while i was working over here Um, The MVP for me, man, was Justin Simmons, the safety. And every time Mm. you watch this guy play, he does something else that I'm like, how the heck did he see that coming? And there was one really cool play in the game that I believe um, Nikki Jabvala highlighted on her Twitter account that I watched a number of times today just to see. I, I just couldn't believe it. Vic Fangio standing on the sidelines screaming, Get down, Justin. Get down. Get down. And so Simmons comes from his deep safety position and he creeps up into the box and it's at third and one play in the fourth quarter on the last drive that the Browns had third and one Justin Simmons. He just blazes off the edge and tackles Nick Chubb for I think a three or four yard loss on a run play and that set up a fourth and four which of course the Browns failed to convert. And so, obviously, you're you're putting them in a much different situation. You're putting them in a position to have to throw the ball instead of run the ball on fourth down, and and that was all due to Simmons. And he was doing that kind of stuff all throughout the game. He's just always he's always in position. And the the crazy thing is, last year he wasn't always in position. There was a mm-hmm. lot of times when he was miscommunicating. Even Chris Harris, I think, called him out publicly for miscommunications on the back end of the defense a number of times throughout last season that's completely out of uh, that's that's out of the picture he has become the number one player on this Vic Fangio defense in terms of the level of trust that Fangio has for him the amount that he's relied upon and the plays that he's making at the speed that he's making them he's quickly turning into not only this week's chosen one and game mvp he's turning into almost the season long broncos mvp so justin simmons he's my guy
1: that's awesome and i did i i watched a uh, i watched that on twitter right before we started this podcast it was exactly where fangio leans down and just like, get down, get down, yeah. Justin. And I was like, oh. And I think Cameron like retweeted it and was like, I love this. That's so sick. But uh, yeah. So that was, that was probably going to be my answer. Okay. That was probably going to be my answer. I was thinking hard about it. And just like what you said, I was struggling with like who really stood out versus like, I feel like there's a lot of other rewards to give out. Yeah. For this game, yep. like other side awards, like like there's a lot of people deserving of recognition for a various amount of things. But uh, it's tough to figure out exactly And peg. You know, I think Alan did a really good job in his debut. But I mean, if we're going to go to that length, did Alan do a better job than Rich Scangarello did in calling mm, his place? Yeah, right. Right. So, I mean, especially I feel like I didn't know this was my answer going into the pot. I went into this kind of like thinking I might go Simmons, but I might have to go somewhere else if you call Simmons, and you did. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going skangarello man. Um, I mean, you could definitely give him a Palpatine award mm-hmm. for his play calling this game, and, and I almost did. But I think Scangarello, especially coming off the heat he's been given, the lack of offensive production, and then... Everyone, I mean, you should have seen Sutton's projections on freaking fantasy websites. Yeah. With just Allen coming in as the quarterback, it's always very simple with those guys. Oh, a guy we don't know, so we can't really expect anything. Right. You know, they're all about the floor, you know, rather than the ceiling. So it's like, anyway, I think Scangarello comes in, calls a great game with this quarterback. And, and just like we just kind of recapped at the end of that was, dude, look at the juxtaposition of the game that he called – with last versus the game that Freddie kitchens called with the fricking Browns all-star team that they were supposed to have, right. you know, that just really goes to show the potential of what he's going to do going forward. And he just, he, he out dueled, he out dueled the defense and he out dueled, um, you know, the Brown the whole Browns team with, uh, you know, the game he called and I got to give it to scan gorilla, man. And I think I'm, it just excites me going forward. Um, Hoping to call a lot more, uh, Paul, at least Palpatine awards in the future. This was my first. I think this is my first Palpatine for Scangarella. Yeah, this season, right? Yeah, I don't. I I think we we called a Fangio given, one earlier we've given in the one season. To Fangio, I was just gonna say, but yeah, this is the first Scangarello's first award on the podcast, Dude. and it wasn't even a Palpatine. It was a chosen one. Wow, he got upgraded. He got upgraded. Well,
0: is that? I mean. That's that's a fair question of whether or not that's an upgrade. That's a that's like almost on the same level. Anakin and I mean Palp does it team. get
1: yeah. Does it get really any higher than the Senate? Right. I am the Senate. I am the Senate. <laughs> um all right, so first first elective award, what are you doing? You know,
0: I've gotta go I think that I'm guessing that we probably had a similar one on this one too. But the Mall award. This is my second Mall award of the season. Um but I'm giving this one to Noah Fant, the tight end.
1: That was that was going to be my next.
0: Yeah. One. <laughs> I mean, I I thought about <laughs> yeah, I thought about giving him a Ray award too, but then the Ray award is when you make it look easy. But I don't know if he's quite at that at that level of clout for me yet. Um, no. So I'm going to go with the mall because Noah Fant has come back from being killed by Broncos Twitter. <laughs> a lot of Broncos Twitter. I honestly like i even my like you said with your faith with rich scangarello my faith in noah fant and i'm an iowa hawkeyes fan big time noah fant fan like i wanted him i wanted us to draft him way like way in the you know early stages of his career i wanted him to be a bronco and so having him on the team and trying to be patient with his development has been tough but the the game against the kansas city chiefs Really had my faith wavering. Um, you know, I wouldn't say it was necessarily cut in half and, and sent down into the depths of the, the dark abyss. But at the same time, it was it was impossible for me to really argue with anyone and say, like, yeah, I mean he's been good you know so uh for him to come out have 115 yards on three catches in that big 75 yard touchdown where he did things on that 75 yard touchdown running over defenders getting a dude cut literally yep. from the browns uh that i never yep. saw from him in iowa i mean he didn't run yep. over guys like that he ran by by guys but he didn't run over guys and through guys like that he was playing with serious passion like he wanted to he wanted to kill the Jedi and he wanted to kill the Sith for you know all the stuff that they did to him he didn't care he was running over everyone Um, and I loved that man it was so great to see him play with that level of confidence and and just make those catches that he did he just just looked so good Um, exactly what we wanted
1: I loved your conversation with uh, somebody today, where they were just like, "Let's not, let's not go crazy over w- the, the guys had one good play." Yeah,
0: yeah. Can't like, I, on, I can't man. believe that man. If you th-
1: if, some people are very li- just like like microscopic. Yeah. In what they see.
0: Right. Because nearly every one of his catches before Sunday was a fifteen to twenty yard play, so I don't. <laughs> it's impossible it's impossible to satisfy football fans in this era unless you are yep. consistently dominant
1: yep so 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 I was gonna give out a a, a mall award to fan I was gonna give out a palpatine award to Skanguerillo. And then my third choice, which I'm gonna to have to go with my third um, and then I'm gonna to have to go because obviously we're doing two, so I'm hoping that you don't take my other one. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna give a Mandalorian to Simmons. Ooh love it. and I know you are you gave him a chosen one, but I have not given him an award so I'm gonna give I'm gonna give a Mandalorian a, a defensive assassin um, to Simmons. first and foremost, we got the Mandalorian dropping on Disney plus. Mm. I'm not being paid for this infomercial right now. I should be though. I would, um, dude. Talk about the talk about the the Outlander assassin. Dude, Justin Simmons is doing all the things that you said, but that play specifically, he assassinated the chances that the Browns had to come back. It was just one of that right. Talk about controlling the rhythm. You know, and the rhythm being more than people give it credit for, it, dude. He took the wind right out of the sails. Yeah, with that play, and it changed. It changed their approach, and and really took them away from their strength. I don't know why running is their strength when they have Odell Beckham Jr., <laughs> Baker Mayfield, and Jarvis yeah. Landry, but it is the case. So he took he. You know, he put them in, in a bad situation, and it was clutch. And he's doing a lot of other things well. So the the assassin of of, of the defense, the Mandalorian Award, goes to Justin Simmons.
0: I love it. Very deserving. Very deserving. I I'm gonna give out my first Ahsoka award of the season. Mm. Um so I don't know if you were going that direction, but uh my my first Ahsoka award of the season is gonna go to young Devontae Harris. Mm-hmm. And uh Devontae Harris, boy. he could be he's kind of the snips to uh Chris Harris's Anakin, you know. He's he's the he's the little Harris. He's the guy who was cut from the Cincinnati Bengals who kind of finding his way and got into a situation that was just perfect for him. And mm-hmm. in Denver, he's become a true, legit starting cornerback. And I'm not trying to bite off more than I can chew by saying that. But over the course, since he got in replacing Isaac Yadam in the second half of that L.A. Chargers game, he has stood out in a very positive way. And he missed a tackle on Jarvis Landry that that ended up being a touchdown the only touchdown that the Browns had all game and then he came back on that fourth and four play um, which we just talked about with Justin Simmons and the dude breaks up a pass to win the game and he did what he did right there was something that that Chris Harris kind of failed to do throughout the game I mean it was not Chris Harris's best game by any means. Mm and and the Broncos needed a couple of big plays in this game and he broke up another pass in the in the end zone earlier in the game did Devontae Harris. And so I'm I mean this guy is sneaking up on us man. He's a surprising that's what the Soka award is a surprising performance and a riser. And Devontae Harris is quickly becoming a legitimate starting option beyond this season, along with we already had Devontae Bosby, who probably won an Ahsoka Award early in the season. So you've got Bosby coming out of the woodworks. You've got Devontae Harris coming out, having a good game here against Cleveland. And so he's my guy, man, the Ahsoka Dude, it's Award. The,
1: it's the Fangio Donatello effect, mm. man. Yep. Um, isn't it funny if, if I told you, if I go back in time with this knowledge yeah. through the time portal and I arrive at, at, you know, preseason and I tell you, Hey, Sarah, just watch, man. Like our secondary is actually going to be pretty good. I know your first thoughts would probably be like, dang, okay. So the, Bri- so the Bryce Callahan free agency pickup worked out yeah. or you'd think, okay, so Yitam steps it up this year. Right and it's really it's been Harris and Bosby man. Yep. And without any Callahan and with Yidan now being buried in the doghouse. You know? Those are those are definitely both of those guys are are worthy of worthy of some some maybe season long um, end of the year Ahsoka awards for sure. Yeah. So I'm going to go with another mall award. Okay. And this isn't just a it it is in response to this game, but it's also sequential too, just as far as, as where things are trending. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give them all award word to Derek Wolf. I love it. Because he has been steadily improving and having some really good repeat performance. Doesn't he have like four sacks in the past five games? Uh, yeah. I want to say, yeah. It's either I, that or five in the last four. I want to say that's the stat. One of the two. Five in the last four or four in the last five. Either one of those is, is solid. And I think that he's just – talk about a guy that's buying into the system, that believes and in, in trusts in, in his overlords you know, to yeah. execute the vision of, of what he's supposed to do. I think he's, he's seeing a resurgence, and he's showing a lot – I mean, I mean another guy that was coming off trade talks last week, you know, that we ended up keeping and not trading. And I just, I, I love watching Wolf. I don't know how long we'll be able to watch him, but I think that you know he's he's bounced back from you know kind of a rough start and uh, has had a a stream of some really good games. And in this game, especially, kind of had some big moments. That uh, dude Darth Maul coming for coming for the baker, the baker Jedi leader, you know, um, dude, I'm stoked, man. I'm, I'm stoked for what he's doing and, and the trajectory of what this, what this defense is doing. And, you know, we didn't really, I think before the season, I said something along the lines either to you about, um, you know, who I think is, is someone that no one's really talking about. That's going to have a, it's going to have a bigger, bigger season than, than the past is Derek Wolf. Do you remember that? I do remember that. Now when that you, you mentioned, like it. good call or something, but in early in the season it was like, "Ooh, this whole defense is gonna struggle yeah. this year." I don't know about that Derek Wolf call, yeah. but uh, it's now looking like, "Dude, Darth Maul has risen." Dude, I love that pick,
0: and you're right. Sequential is the perfect word because it has been over a time period here that he's really shown that, like, holy crap, like prime Derek Wolf is back.
1: We got some Wolf momentum. We baby. do. We do.
0: And okay, here's a here's a quick quick bit of trivia for you here as we end. Or maybe not so much trivia as I'm just gonna try to try to lead you into something here. How old do you think Derek Wolf is?
1: Derek Wolf like, is Like how old does it
0: feel he is?
1: It feels like he's over thirty.
0: It it feels like he's thirty two, thirty three, right? Yeah. Dude he's what, probably thirty? He's twenty nine
1: twenty nine. And he doesn't turn
0: thirty until February of next year. Dude. That's crazy. It feels like Derrick Wolf has been on the Broncos since they won the Super Bowl in nineteen
1: (laughs) ninety (laughs) nine. That's pretty funny. Derek Wolf (laughs) was
0: on the two thousand five defense with Champ Bailey and
1: and Al Wilson. I mean Was he really? I was like, "Dang, bro! This guy's got the found the fountain of youth, man." <laughs> that was like, "High, that was like high school days." Oh my god, dude! He's basically, he's thirteen years old. Yeah, on the with le- playing with the, <laughs> the legends, man. Uh, playing, yeah, playing. You even warped my mind there for him, and I was like, "Oh my Dang, gosh, was he? isn't that crazy?" Dude, though? He, he was there before Jay Cutler he man. was.
0: Yeah, Derek Wolf. It feels like <laughs> it. Really feels like he could have been though, right? I mean, he's that. Ca- he just it's not that he looks old or something it's just like he's been through a lot with this team man i mean yeah he's he's been i mean he remember when he busted up his back really that scary injury in the preseason it was like dang mm-hmm. we're losing our second year d tackle like one of the best players on our team defensively and our defense is already kind of weak and we're losing him but and he thought that, that could have been a career-ending injury. And, and I remember in the dog days of the Vance Joseph era, we're talking about Derek Wolf. He literally went on the radio and said that he's thought about retiring from football many times because of all the injuries and how mm. badly his body's mm. beat up. But dude is looking good in this Fangio defense. Like it,
1: it would be nice if he just like, you know, this defense stays the course yeah. and, and, you know, Fangio keeps freaking just churning gold. You know, spinning gold out of this, out of what he's got. And it'd be nice for him to sign like a freaking two-year contract yeah. with us and just stay with us and write it out and then freaking, you know, go out or do something different, you know, for at the end. But, dude, I, yeah, he's another player that it makes sense to get some value. I don't think that in, in that trade deadline kind of space mm-hmm. that we could get the value through draft picks to warrant the value that we get from him as a player. Correct. Yes. I don't I don't think that people would would see and evaluate him and give up the pieces versus how much he is um, especially in this fangio defense is gonna be just a player man
0: yeah yep he's a key
1: especially without Chubb now dude. we need some of those guys that you're like please make a play here please yep. make a play here and then wolf pulls through and then oh yeah <laughs> his signature you know? move baby. It's my favorite. I love it. I like it better than any of Vaughn's dances. Like when Derek just throws his arms back and just freaking howls, man, I'm like, I'd just do it with yeah. him. I'll be at work and I'll just start howling and people <laughs> across the, cause I'm in this big public market. And so not everyone's there, like just watching the game. Some people are like shopping with their kids yeah. and like, there's this crazy man behind the bar in a, in a Terrell Davis jersey. That's just howling like a madman.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. Is, is Derek Wolf a jersey guy for you?
1: Would I get a Wolf jersey? Would you get it? Yeah, would you get the Wolf mm. jersey? I might get, I might get a... Get a um, I always screw up this word. I always want to say posthumous, posthumous. Oh, yeah. I don't know how you say that word. I'd, dude, it's one of those ones that eludes me. I, I can never remember how to say it. But uh, maybe... Not, not post-his-death, which is what that <laughs> word means, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, post-career. <laughs> like, post-career. That may be like a legacy jersey that I go back and get. Um, Like, I would still rock a C.J. Anderson jersey. Yeah? Like, he's another one of those ones that I'm like, you know what? I feel like I kind of need a C.J. jersey. That's an interesting Because the, there was a stretch of like probably two years, two or three years, where he was my favorite player in the Broncos.
0: Dude, he was, he was he was legit. He was legit, all over the field, making plays, heart and soul, put it out there, every single play, every snap.
1: Yeah, this has been a this has been a really good episode. Yeah. Um, but we're like <laughs> we're at an hour and twenty five minutes. I feel like we could we're on a good flow, or we could keep talking for another forty five. But uh, yeah, this is definitely uh let's 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 fade to the credits. Let's give the people um, what they want. It's giving people, they're probably like, all right, guys, this has been good, but like, dude, I got to watch my kids, <laughs> you know? Um, do you? Yeah.
0: Yeah, we Hi, do. Dad.
1: I hope you made it to the end. If you didn't, shame on yeah. you. Yeah. Come on. Well, I'm excited, man. We've got some reason to be excited. Yeah, we do. Um, it's been a rough year. I, I felt like I was tricked when we won the game prior to getting, like, obliterated by the Chiefs. Yes. So I'm really hoping this is more of, like, this isn't just a little up-blip in the radar before another, like, demoralizing, you know, beating. Mm-hmm. But, man, I really want to go. I want us to have a good bye week to install what we need to install in this new vision that the quarterback believes in and uh, to go freaking spank Gary Kubiak. I would love it. Especially Kirk Cousins. I don't... Mm, that's cool. Yeah, that's we're gonna have to talk about this in the yeah, bye. We are. Let's not get let's not don't get, get me swallowed up in on it, But, a, Kurt, but a, a yeah, a Kirk Cousins, a Kirk Cousin Gary Kubiak revenge battles on deck. Yeah. Which that's a little you know little snippet, little teaser for you to get excited about the next episode coming during the bye week. Give you a little something to get through the stretch, and uh, dude, there's plenty to dissect yeah. there. Plenty to dissect there.
0: I love it. I love it well Brandon it's it's been great like you said but um we're gonna send these people off we're gonna remind you all that we are thankful that you're listening um mom dad Brandon's dad um all of you out there <laughs> our most loyal yep. people even if none of our friends are listening to this we th- want to thank our <laughs> yeah, parents right yeah, now exactly so um, we love you guys and uh but seriously um Please, if you are listening and and you enjoy what we're doing here and you enjoy being part of this discussion, you resonate with what we're saying, um, go on and and like and subscribe and rate and review and do all those things because that really helps us out getting placement among many great Broncos podcasts. And we know a lot of the people who run those podcasts and we appreciate and respect what they do. Um, And we want to get our name up there with those guys. So go ahead and, and if you would take the time to do that, for us um, and with us, that would mean a lot to us. So, um, but yeah, absolutely can't wait for the next episode and excited that we get to enjoy. I get to wear Broncos gear for for two weeks, guilt free. So, uh, and not have to you know not have to just kind of shrug my shoulders at people. So, do that yeah. with me, Broncos country. Let's be excited about a win. Let's. Who cares about the draft pick right now? We're halfway through a season. We started off the second half of this year one to zero. Let's go out. We're not the Dolphins, We're not man. the Dolphins. We're not the Giants. We're not the Jets.
1: We're not upset at winning our first game and losing the freaking first-round pick. Yeah. You know, let's let's be excited about the fact that we're a competitive team. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, thank you guys for spending time with us and for, uh, you know, tolerating us through our, our imperfections as we, you know, strive for putting together a quality podcast you know we're trying to put together 30 to 45 minute episodes for you and we're at about an hour and a half right now so thank you for uh for giving us in advance and then retrospectively um thank you for dedicating your time and hanging out with us and uh, yeah do all the likes and the shares and all the good stuff and come back next week come back next time and uh we just appreciate you and um as always god bless And go Broncos.